Hey, it's Nathan, and this is day 75 of the Bible in 90 Days. We're in Luke, chapters 1 through 9. Luke is the third of the four Gospels. In an effort to be both efficient and helpful, I'll note the sections in the book that repeat information found in either Matthew or Mark while highlighting significant differences. Chapter 1. By the way, a chapter well worth reading begins with a short, insightful introduction by the author, Luke. I'll read it. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke gives the most detailed account of John the Baptist's birth. The story begins by introducing his father and mother, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were both descendants of Aaron and Zechariah, was a priest. The author then recounted Zechariah's encounter with the angel Gabriel during his temple rotation. The angel gave details about John's approaching birth and mission. Zechariah wasn't so sure about what he heard. After all, both he and his wife were too old to have a child. The angel made Zechariah mute until the child was born as testament to the veracity of the prophecy. Elizabeth became pregnant. We then read of Jesus' birth being foretold. While overlapping some with Matthew's account, there's significantly more detail here, as Luke recounts the angel Gabriel's visit to Mary, informing her that she is to give birth to the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The miraculous nature of the birth is briefly explained to Mary. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Then she is informed of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Elizabeth and Mary, by the way, are related. The final word of the angel to Mary no word from God will ever fail. A short time later, Mary went to see Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Then follows Mary's song, and it's beautiful, beginning with these words. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. After the song, Luke tells of John the Baptist's birth, in which is recorded a bit of an argument over the child's name, which Zechariah confirms by writing on a tablet. He still can't speak. As soon as he writes the child's name, however, he's able to speak again. And the first thing he does is utter a magnificent, spirit-inspired song beginning. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Chapter 2, a chapter well worth reading, 
is also the most detailed account of the birth of Jesus among the four Gospels. The chapter begins with a very pregnant Mary and her husband Joseph heading from Nazareth to Bethlehem, Joseph's ancestral hometown, for a census ordered by Caesar Augustus. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. After hearing the angelic message of the Messiah's arrival, the shepherds hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. The next scene finds Jesus being presented in the temple for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. While there, two individuals meet the child and his parents, both uttering prophetic words. The first is Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit had promised he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. After blessing the child, Simeon declared to Mary, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The second, Anna, an 84-year-old prophetess, never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. The last event in the chapter tells of Jesus, at 12 years old, being accidentally left behind in Jerusalem when his parents traveled home from the Passover festival. After three days of searching, they found him. Among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. After this, the small family returned home to Nazareth. Chapter 3, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, begins with John the Baptist's ministry in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. His preaching included a stern rebuke of the religious elite, whom he called a brood of vipers, warning them that the axe is already laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. As part of his ministry, he also spoke to the tax collectors, don't collect any more than you are required to. And the soldiers, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. He also spoke of the arrival of the Messiah who would baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John also rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife. As a result, John was imprisoned. Luke then briefly describes the baptism of Jesus. Greater detail is found in Matthew 3. 
The rest of Luke 3 is Joseph's genealogy going all the way back to Adam. This genealogy differs some from that in Matthew 1. Chapter 4 begins with Jesus 40 days in the wilderness, and the details are quite similar to those found in Matthew 4. This section ends with this. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Next, we find the story of Jesus going to his hometown in Nazareth. The basic story is also found in Matthew 13, but Luke includes some interesting details. First, the text Jesus read, found in Isaiah 61, and then details of his rebuke of the people's unbelief which included two historical examples, the widow of Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian, both non-Jews. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Then we find Jesus healing and preaching widely, including the healing of Simon's mother-in-law. The chapter ends with Jesus telling the disciples the next morning, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Chapter 5 records the calling of the first disciples, though with much greater detail than found in Matthew 12. Interestingly, Andrew, Simon's brother, is not specifically mentioned. The focus of the story is on Simon, also known as Peter, from whose boat Jesus taught the people before instructing Simon Peter to put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. The catch nearly destroyed the nets. In response, Simon Peter fell at Jesus' feet and cried out, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Then Jesus called them to follow. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. It's worth remembering that this is the same Simon, Peter, whose deathly ill mother-in-law was healed not long before. The healing of a leper is told next. It's the same story as in Matthew 8, though a tad more detailed. Luke notes, as part of the story, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Next, Luke tells the story of Jesus forgiving and then healing a paralyzed man. It's the same story found in Matthew 9 and Mark 2, though Luke's account shares more of the details with Mark's. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. Luke next records the calling of Levi, also known as Matthew, a tax collector, and then eating at his home. Also recorded in Matthew 9 and Mark 2, as is the following discussion about fasting. Chapter 6 begins with Jesus and his disciples being confronted by the Pharisees over picking and eating grain on the Sabbath. Matthew 12 and Mark 2 also record this story. The healing of the man with the shriveled hand is also found here 
as well as in Matthew 12 and Mark 3. In the interaction, Jesus had asked the probing question, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? Next, Luke introduces the 12 apostles. After this, we learn that Jesus entered the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, teaching and healing. In this context, it's recorded that Jesus uttered blessings similar to those found in the Beatitudes of Matthew 5. Included with these blessings in Luke, however, are woes pronounced against those who were rich, well-fed, joy-filled, and well-spoken of. After this, Luke records Jesus' instruction to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Very similar to Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, although this part of the teaching ends slightly different from that in Matthew. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Jesus then teaches on judging others, as Matthew 7 also reports. This teaching about judging others is followed, interestingly, by instruction to be discerning. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. This is similar to what's found in Matthew 12. The chapter wraps up with the story of the two builders found in Matthew 7, the one who built on the sand and the other who built on the rock. Chapter 7 begins with Jesus healing a centurion's servant. The details are very similar to those found in Matthew 8. Though Luke informs the reader that the centurion sent the local elders of the Jews to speak with Jesus on his behalf. The next story is unique to Luke. As Jesus approached the town of Nain, a widow was accompanying her deceased son's bier in a sorrowful funeral procession. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then Jesus spoke to the boy, young man, I say to you, get up. He was instantly raised to life. Next, we come to Jesus' interaction with John the Baptist's disciples. And then Jesus comments on John's ministry. Luke's account is nearly identical to Matthew's, and that's found in chapter 11 of Matthew. Though Luke informs us that John the Baptist had sent the messengers to Jesus to check out his ministry. Luke also notes that the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. Jesus, in his discussion regarding the ministry of John the Baptist, also rebuked the religious leaders for their rejection of John as well as of himself, noting that wisdom is proved right by all her children. The last story in the chapter is about Jesus dining at a Pharisee's home, and a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. This story is included in both Matthew 26 and Mark 14, though Luke's account is a bit more detailed, including these words. Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. To the woman, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven and your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Chapter 8 begins by giving us a sense of the small group that regularly followed Jesus. 
This obviously included the 12 disciples. However, Luke also mentions that it included many women. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. Next, Luke records the parable of the sower, found also in Matthew 13 and Mark 4. Jesus then mentions the lamp on a stand, similar to comments found in Matthew 5 and Mark 4. The story of Jesus calming a storm is told next, found also in Matthew 8 and Mark 4. The story of Jesus delivering the wild, demon-possessed man follows, though it's not as detailed as the account in Mark 5. The final two stories in Luke 8 are those of the raising of the dead girl, daughter of Jairus, a synagogue leader, and the healing of the woman with a bleeding disorder. Both stories are found in Matthew 9 and Mark 5, Mark and Luke reporting the most details. Chapter 9 begins with Jesus sending out the 12 disciples on a missionary venture. The more detailed account, however, is found in Matthew 10. This is followed by Jesus' feeding of the 5,000, also found in Matthew 14 and Mark 6. Peter's declaration that Jesus is the Messiah comes next. That's found as well in Matthew 16 and Mark 8. Next, Jesus predicts his death, as in Matthew 16 and Mark 8. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then we come to the transfiguration, described at greater length in Matthew 17, also found in Mark 9. Coming down from the mountain, Jesus delivered the demon-possessed boy whom the disciples had been unable to help also found in Matthew 17 and Mark 9, the greatest detail being in Mark 9. After this, we find Jesus predicting his death a second time, and then the argument about who would be the greatest, again, similar to what's found in Matthew 18 and Mark 9. The rest of the chapter is unique to Luke. First, the author tells about a Samaritan village that did not welcome Jesus. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. This is followed by Jesus' conversations with two individuals who wished to follow him. When invited, both asked permission to address other matters first. Both times, Jesus rebuked them for not immediately following. And that's all for today.